You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello, welcome to Season 10, Episode 33 of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and I'm joined by another John um, from another podcast, Scott, Scott's Abroad podcast, uh, John Walker. Hello, John. How are you? Hi, John. How's it going? Uh, thanks very much for having me on this. Really appreciate this. Really looking forward to it. I think I listened to about four episodes yesterday just to get myself in the, wow. the mindset of what to expect. That's more than what a lot of people do. It's probably four more than a lot of people do when they come on this show. So thanks very much for um, your research. I've listened to a couple of years to try and find out a bit more about what you guys do. Um, but you know the drill. Being a Rangers fan, we're not allowed to talk about the football yesterday um, as we record on Monday. So um, <laughs> we'll just skip by that. So first of all, tell us, how did your podcast come about? It, mate, this is like a pure multifaceted thing that I've always been obsessed with. So I remember, see, years ago, I grew up in Renfrew. So I grew up in Limwood. And I played for a team called Limit Rangers when I was there. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was always called as being the biggest academic profile from Limit Rangers was Paul Lambert. Mm-hmm. It was always Paul Lambert. And uh, I mind when he left Motherwell to go to Borussia Dortmund. And I was like, oh, that's that's weird. The people the people leave Scotland to go play football like in other countries. And uh, I couldn't, couldn't figure it out, man. And then obviously won the Champions League, win a season. So I was pure obsessed with the fact that this guy had went. Obviously, Paul Lambert came back and then joined our rivals. So that was him completely wiped out the list. But I like, so like Scott Booth. So I was always kind of obsessed with people that had went abroad. And then whilst I was in Limwood at Woodlands Primary, we had a, we had a guy join the school in like primary three or four called Adam Moffat. And through the wonders of things like Bebo and that, I'd always kept in kind of touch with him and what he was doing. But he was playing for Elgin in like 2006 and got a chance to go to America and play the USL Championships, which is a USL 2, sorry which is like a summer league below USL championships and the MLS. Mm-hmm. And I just kept an eye on him. He like won like the MLS Cup in his first year out there. Wow. And there was never really felt like there was like, I think there was maybe like an article when he played the final or an article when he came up against David Beckham when he went to Dynamo. And I was just, it always just irked me a little bit that there was no, not more being made of this guy out in MLS and centre midfield who was playing really well and performing really well against at that time top players. And at that point, David Beckham was still in the England camp. He wasn't playing for England, but he was in Steve McLaren's camp. And I'm like, do we really have the power in Scotland to like be turning our nose up at somebody who's performing in the exact same league? Mm-hmm. So started to track all these players. And then I think the biggest one that really kind of got my interest around Europe was initially when Barry Douglas went to Poznan mm-hmm. and was playing the Champions League. And then obviously the one that everyone knows when Ryan Gold moved to Sporting Lisbon. That was when I started to really track on like people outside the country. I think it's fascinating. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, when when Lambert went, because it's it's not even just Scots um, Scottish players going abroad. It's um, a bit of a novelty. British players in general. I mean, it's it's very rare. I mean, Beckham, Gareth Bale are just two examples. I mean, I still believe that Saul Campbell. Um, he had the chance to go to Barcelona, and I think he bottled it. Um, and end up joining Arsenal. Obviously, had a good career at Arsenal. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I wonder if he thought um, because a lot a, a lot of Brits um, and Scots don't really they're, they're too much in their setting their ways and home comforts and you know they're faced by these things. Whereas you see multiple um, um, imports coming in all the time. 
Well, one of one of the interviews we've done recently, it's not come out yet, it's out next week, is Anthony McDonald, so the boy that's left Hearts and went out to Cordoba. Oh, yeah. And he was kind of saying that it's mo- it was more like Jaden Sancho was like his kind of inspiration to do it. So it's right what you're saying. It's not just watching Scottish boys. It's seeing Jaden Sancho might still have been in Phil Foden's shoes where he's part of the Man City squad, but he's not a starter now. Jaden Sancho is one of the most like sought-after commodities in European football now. Yeah. just by making the decision to go somewhere else and try something different. And to me, it's much more interesting. Like, Anthony McDonald could have played at Hearts this year and I wouldn't have taken any notice of him. And I think that'll be the same for a lot of people. Same with Aaron Hickey. Mm-hmm. I think the fact they went abroad and done something different, everyone is talking about him. Everyone is super interested because it's because it's so rare now. And it, it used to not be. It used to be commonplace that they would, people like Alan Archibald, Joe Jordan, Graham Souness would all go and try different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. Um, as you say, there's been some examples, but Aaron Hickey, I think that's a real end. I, I'm, I was delighted when I, I saw he took that move because he was like myself, and I thought that's just going to be obviously Celtic's it's a bigger step in Hearts. But I just thought you're just playing again in the same league all the time. I, I, I like to see players go test themselves abroad and see what they can do. And Hickey is one I think has got the potential to go really far in the game. And I think Bologna is a great level for him to learn. I just think the stories are so much more interesting. Like even the fact that um, Aaron Hickey's been managed by Sinead Samahailovic now, someone who I remember for the nineties playing for Lazio. It's just really cool. There's, I mean, there's loads of stuff like that. I think Zaggy Gordon was playing in Poland with a guy who was MLS Player of the Year two years ago. They went from Poland out to MLS, and it's just just better stories. I've really just enjoyed hearing players like Alan and Archibald on Graham Hunter's podcast, was just telling stories about the type. Steve of Archibald, you mean? Sorry, Steve Archibald, sorry, yeah. And he was talking about Bernd Schuster and the type of person Bernd Schuster was playing with. And it was just so fascinating listening to these stories as opposed to maybe somebody who just went down to the championship in England to make money because it was easier. Because the thing is, when you go abroad to place, I mean, I've heard people saying they've went, um, Aberdeen fans have went out to Barcelona, for example, they've gone to Bayern Barcelona. Oh, which Scottish teams do you support? Aberdeen. Oh, yes, Steve Archibald. And, you know, there's, there's a connection there straight away. So I think the, these things are, are fascinating as well. Yeah, and as that, it's like um, I think I think the Ryan Gold one's the most interesting one right now because mm-hmm. he's the one that everyone is talking about. Like he is, he's a he's a standout out there just now that I think people are starting to realise. Like I, I always have this laugh when we interviewed him. He's the youngest written off player that I've ever heard of, but the kid's only twenty four now. Like he's still only twenty four, and everyone talks about him like he's this thirty four year old guy who never made into his career. It, it, I find it laughable. It's actually so insulting to how good he is. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I thought it was brilliant when he moved out there. Obviously, you know, it didn't work out. I mean, it, it was a tough one for him to go to at that age. I mean, because he was only what eighteen when he went out to Sporting Lisbon, yeah. um, and and it was just a, on the back of Dundee losing the Scottish Cup final to St Johnson. And for him to take that move at that age, I thought it took a lot of balls um, to go out there at that age, um, to club like that, to try and learn, knowing that he wasn't going to be a regular um, for a couple of seasons. I think in his case, there was a couple of loan moves that didn't work out. He went to a club that put Sporting Lisbon out of the cup and they called him back and didn't loan him out, which was a bit better. Hibs didn't work out because he got injured pretty much his first game there. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad to see that he's now found another team in that same league and is pretty much a standout. Yeah, I, I mean, people need to remember that as well. Like that, 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 so, Ferenza were last in that division like 20 years ago. So, although the season didn't finish, he got player of the year last year in the tier below. He was um, leading assistant goal scorer combined in that league. And he's what now the... I hate these stats because it's just stat you can manipulate. Like, oh, 
as I follow Arsenal as well as Rangers, you can manipulate stats any which way you want. I can show you stats that show Granit Xhaka is a really good passer of football. But if you want me to show you stats that he's an effective passer of football, i.e. going forward or creating chances, it's going to fall down dramatically. But Gold's like the, the second top creator and scorer of chances in the Portuguese league behind somebody I think could cost Benfica like 30-odd million in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that's the guy second time. a guy that's this written-off Scottish failure. The second to that guy. And a, and a really... Portugal's probably not a major league, but it's, it's in that next level of Dutch, Scottish, Portuguese. Probably the French is in the same bracket, to be honest, because it's got a couple of teams who are massive. But it's quite impressive to have somebody who's still never been capped for Scotland playing at that level. I know, and you just wonder... Um... Because obviously Scotland called for a few years 2020. It's brilliant where there wasn't one overseas player in the squad. I think sometimes, I mean, okay, yeah, I mean, you need to be like a Lambert to properly stand out, you know, what he did um, to, you know, force a way in. I mean, do you think it gets more difficult for players moving abroad because there's not the same exposure given in our country to these European leagues? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think we give a fuck. I don't think we care at all to where these people go. The, the idea that if I take like Lewis Morgan to be the best example, the idea that Lewis Morgan's playing in a league that's easy, that currently contains Matuidi in his team, Higway in his team, to me he's, he's up to level. Like He's playing with better players than he would have been at Celtic, mm. with mm. maybe the exception of maybe Edward and Cham on his day, and Christie of course, but I would say he's up to his level, and there's teams littered with players like that. I know Johnny Russell would have been in the squad, he would have been in the squad for all of those playoff games and National League games if it wasn't for the quarantine restrictions in America because yeah. he would have had to come the way the condensed league in MLS is working he would have had to come two weeks before the games and then not play two weeks after which meant he would have missed like nine MLS games yeah. so it was never an option but he would have I'm sure Steve Clark said he would have been in the squad so I would say Johnny Russell's still a shoe-in for a place in those squads providing all the restrictions get sorted yeah well let's hope that things with this vaccine get lifted I mean um there's, you know, you mentioned Morgan. He seems to be doing well for himself out there. Guy McKay Stevens um, had some time out in in New York and seems to be doing okay. Um, I mean, do you see there being any room for uh, and and Steve Clark squad for some of the? I mean, you've mentioned Russell already, but um, some of the others that I've mentioned, do you th- see possible uh, inclusions like Arn Hickey possibly for Greg Taylor, who isn't getting a game for Celtic at the moment? It's got to be one looked at, but he's not been capped under 21 level, which is a little concerning so far. Yeah, I think I think Hickey won't make it. I think there's enough players in that area. The thing that's interesting with the way Clark's playing is, see the way that Ryan Fraser played in the previous round of games, mm-hmm. where he kind of played as a centre-forward, but he played in a free role, kind of roaming the channel. We've got, like, Christie can play that role. We've got so many nice players that can play that type of role. And it's actually a role that I think Johnny Russell can play. It's a role that Lewis Morgan can play. And I think the key for me is, see the way these seasons are going to be condensed, running into Euro 2021. Mm-hmm. A lot of British-based players, I think, are going to come up with injuries by the time we get to the end of this season. Yeah. So it's almost impossible to decide who will be available. Mm-hmm. The MLS players that I've mentioned, Morgan, Russell, and a boy at Philly Union who plays right centre-back, Jack Elliott, those guys will have finished their season, had a break over Christmas, be back in pre-season, and have started their season by the time the Euros come round. So arguably those three players will be the freshest out of all the players that are available to us that are in mainland UK so for that reason I fancy Johnny Russell definitely to make it and although although Andy Constein's had this massive remarkable thing on the thing I think at left centre back we are super covered with 
Tierney, Cooper, McKenna. And I think when you've seen, although he didn't do it wrong, I think when you've seen Considine being shifted out to right centre-back, mm-hmm. it looked a bit more awkward. It looked like he was being slotted in there just for the sake of it. Jack Elliott, for anyone who's seen him play for Fellow Union, they've got the second-best defence. He can play right centre-back in a four. He can play it in a three, and he plays central mid. He's got the exact same kind of physique as Scott McTominay as well. So if you want players that can cover many positions for a tournament to cover any injury picked up suspension, Jack Elliott would be a, a set for me. 25 years old, six foot four, very good passer, very quick. He's the exact same mold as McTominay, and we seem to be struggling for a right centre half because it's McTominay, Gallagher, and then I've never seen a team with so many left footers. Yeah, I know we're a bit, a bit lopsided in them in one area. I mean, for years we we couldn't find a left back, then you end up with three, um, well four now if you include Hickey. Um and then at centre back most of them seem to be left footed, and they're all decent centre backs. But getting the balances, I mean, McTominay, t- to be fair, after his early couple of games seems to be doing okay at, at that position. Gallagher um, is right footed, but he's more used to be in the sweeper out of the three. Yep. And I think he's done very well. And I'm, I'm, I love his story, um, incidentally. Um, but in turn, you know, see when you compare our squad with the Scotland women's squad, um, for example, I mean, they've got Rachel Corsi, they've got Fiona Brown, they've got a couple of, Lana Cleland, that's three players that I can think of the top of my head that have went abroad to some of the best best leagues. Um, I know Corsi's now playing for Birmingham, but she's on loan from Utah. Um, I think that's great to see when you see that variety of different leagues represented um, and not just the Scottish Premiership and the English Premier League to Championship. Yeah, I think that's probably something I've been a wee bit disrespectful of when we started this interview, is that I think the impact that the women have had going out to different leagues and different cultures has directly influenced the fact that we've started making international tournaments in their field as well. So you said that Corsi was out in the US, she did a bit of time in Australia, Emsley, US, Australia as well. Kim Little was one of the best players in the USL in the women's game. She's now at Arsenal. So there is loads of players that have went out and played abroad and came back and been like the spine of the Scottish national side that's made the Euros in the World Cup. I would expect the same to happen. One of the players we've not even mentioned abroad is Tony Gallagher as well, who's on loan at Toronto from Liverpool. Also a left back. Like we've got, we're inundated with these guys that are all the same age. It's that aren't are unfortunately realistically not going to make it because there's too many. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that the influence of going abroad is exactly what we've seen before when we were making tournaments, and I think we'll see it again in under twenty ones, the women's game and the men's game. Yeah, definitely. Um, the women's are obviously playing this uh, Friday and I think Tuesday next week against Portugal and Finland. That's a crucial double header. That um, I think if they get all six points, then they're pretty much on their way but the Finland game was a was a bit of a setback because they dominated the game they missed certain players like Little um, being the main one but um, at least they know they can go out there and dominate and they'll become I, I think they're good enough to, to overcome those setbacks yeah the thing that concerns me that the Finland game was a serious concern that, that was it was such a such a poor performance that game that game was really really poor but see if we're talking about the, the influence of European football we're now in a league in Scotland that has got Rangers and Celtic have decided they want to take an interest in women's football and are doing what they do. They're pumping the money into it and they're making people professional. I reckon that's probably going to end up having an impact on how many women actually go abroad now because they can earn money in the English league, they can earn money in Scottish league with the teams that are turning professional. Mm-hmm. Glasgow City will have to follow suit. So I just don't hope that underneath the, the successful generation we've just had, 
with the players that you mentioned that we've now got people who are happy to maybe stay in Scotland and not experience different things. I mean, we had somebody in Lana Cleland who was a top scorer in the Italian league and couldn't really even break into the Scottish first team as a result. So that's the kind of calibre we had. I just hope the league doesn't get condensed. For the Scottish league, it'll be good, but I hope it doesn't get condensed with players that are just staying here because they can earn money and stay at home and not experiencing different things that definitely helped the club. Like Kim, Kim Little and Rachel Costa going away helped the club, uh, helped Scotland massively. Yeah, definitely. And you want to see that continue because obviously, um, you know, there are more high-profile leagues and, and, and more successful leagues than even England. Um, I mean, the English uh, Super League, you know, has gone up a massive level. They've pumped a lot of money, as you, you say, like some Man City, etc. Um, but, you know, America is still the dominant force in world football. You've still got your Germany. Um, you've, you know, Sweden are obviously the Scandinavian countries. I've got some good women's leagues and good standard women's football. So um, I still like you. Yeah, it's good that um, teams are being a bit more professional here. But in order for that step up, if these if these girls want to keep progressing their career and, and test themselves against the top, they need to move on. And as long as they do some sort of safeguarding, like I know in the US. Um, they've had like so many different branches in the last 20 years of types of league so the way that Scotland have done the SPL the SPFL, all these new ideas and revamp, what America done really well was when they put money into their league they said that the, all the homegrown players that were out in like Germany and Sweden had to come back they would they would uh, supplement their wages in any which way but they wanted all their top internationals playing in their top league at home so that it could help the national league the identity and then players moving into the national side. Yep. So I just hope that the Scottish League, when they kind of move up professionally with Rangers Celtic and Glasgow City and anyone that joins suit, is they make sure there's actual focus on making sure there's Scottish talent coming through and not falling into a situation whereby the way Rangers and Celtic tend to do things in the men's game, which is buy up talent from Europe that are young and that are cost efficient rather than try to produce their own players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Brian through our own um, Scots is uh, is definitely key going forward. Um, come back to your your podcast. Um, so, um, it's 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 a mainly discussion show with you and two others. You know, just tell us a, a little bit more about um what you what you all talk about on a weekly basis. It seems to be there's a lot of betting going on. <laughs> yeah, so we were well, actually in the, the process of splitting that out completely. It was just a it was just a hosting cost situation. And it made so much sense to have it coming through Trample Bet. So we just normally have a betting podcast every week where we just discuss football. It's just football of everything. But it was getting very dull because we are very geeky and where we're getting our stats from. So it can be very, very hard to listen. So I was like, you know what? Let's follow Ryan Gold in between doing all this. And we'll talk about because one of the boys that I do, it's a massive Dundee United fan. So we started with just kind of following Ryan Gold's career and doing what he was doing. But we realised that it was growing too much on the Scots Abroad side, so we had to rip it out and do it itself. So the Scots Abroad stuff will just be me from now on doing interviews and hopefully doing episodes every week on what people are doing or like a monthly recap with other people to discuss what's been happening and where. Um, the idea is to pretty much expand the podcast to be not just... I the Scott, I love the name Scots Abroad Pod. Like I really like how it stands out, but I think what we need to do is find a way to expand it a bit and that it's not just specifically people who like i like the idea so junkie just go for that a little bit again um I a, there was a wee bit of that connect, connection 
Yeah, so the Scots abroad, it's mainly just becoming interviews um, of people that have been abroad. And I think that what we kind of want to try and do is get it to the point where we're doing a weekly or monthly episode that kind of covers what people have been up to and where people are going. We do a very good job of covering it on Twitter. I think there's loads of people with loads of interest in the Scots abroad stuff now on Twitter and on Instagram. But I think what we're wanting to do is instead of it just being sports stars who are playing in the countries that they're at just now or they have played in the countries, what we want to try and do is highlight more about Scottish art in general that kind of expands outside the UK. So uh, what I was going to say was we want to get like Ray Bradshaw on. So Ray Bradshaw took mm-hmm. an amazing show out to the Australia Comedy Festival and won loads of awards out there. So he's a touring comic that we could talk to about his experiences abroad and what I talked to musicians and just artists in general, authors that have written books that have become massive. Um, stuff like that. There's so many good products. I, I honestly think that the thing that I want to try and get away from is that Scottish people are this kind of novelty we guy syndrome where we don't really we talk ourselves down so much. But you get things like, honestly, like see like GTA. GTA is made for two guys for Dundee. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest games in the world. Wow. I just think there's there's wee stories everywhere that we can get. There's a couple of authors that I want to get on. Even people like like some of my f- the most fun I've had interviewing was like interviewing Derek Ray and Graham Hunter. So is that and Graham Hunter? Like so it's yeah, it's trying to get like more of a niche and just get. Yeah. What was that? I was saying, um, cut off again. Uh, the, the internet connection is not great. Derek Ray and Graham Hunter, you were talking about um, two famous people. Yeah, so, we, so less and, and less about actual sports stars and getting people on that have worked abroad and have interesting stories. It doesn't just need to be footballers that are getting the glory and getting the limelight that we all know about. There's all these amazing stories. I mean, everyone knows who Graham Hunter is and who Derek Ray is, but just hearing more about their stories, I just found really fascinating. It's something that I want to try and expand on and find other people that are out there like that. Well, that's the thing. See, because you've got Scots Abroad pods, you know, it, 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 it's, it's got the opportunity to to expand further because you're not narrowing it down to football. It's known just now to like myself and others who are listening for the first time as you know a football podcast. But there's so many opportunities because you've not put the title football in. You've got you know Scots abroad pods. You can even even speak to people um, like just off the top of my head. I'm speaking like Calvin Harris. If you manage to get him, I think that'd be a great story. Um, <laughs> good luck getting that. But um, no, even like still, even if you've got some still game characters to see. Um, if they got some success outside, because they obviously went to Canada as well. How successful is the show in Canada? Yeah. There's great opportunities for you there. That, that's that's what we want. We want to just get all these interviews. The, the more unique stories, the better, though. That's like, a, like the one one we've been trying to hunt down for ages, and I know, he, I know he won't do it. I know he categorically won't do it because of how private a person he is. That was his, his exact line, is Akechi Anya. Like, I don't know if you've like read much on Akechi Anya. His story is just amazing. Like, mm-hmm. He made a comment about being a doctor if he wasn't a footballer, as if it was just like a normal thing. And then if you look at his family history, it's like mum and dad, doctors, brother, doctor, very clever family. And just, just all his story and how he landed here and how, how he went and he played out in Spain. It just just loads of cool stuff. But it's like I can't get enough information on him because he's so private. Like he's done maybe one interview when he was a Scotland internationalist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's loads of stories I'd love to get down on a podcast. But I think... We just need to keep trying. So you know, you ask more questions. You ask a hundred people, as long as one responds, then you're doing doing a good job. It is really fascinating. Um, in terms of interviews that you've had, I mean, I listen personally. I listened to the Barry Smith one. Um, Barry Smith was going to play for us in a charity football match, um, which got called off this year. Um, 
I, I, I liked his story, you know, how he went out to Iceland because um, Dundee just went in administration the first time and stuff and he wanted a, a new challenge and he seemed to enjoy it. That was a fascinating insight. I loved I loved listening to Barry Smith and as a result, like one so our producers are Dumbarton fan. So mm-hmm. he's like big on Barry Smith. He sees like massive improvements in Dumbarton just in general because Dumbarton are blessed with a situation where they've got Jim Duffy experience as a manager mm-hmm. and Barry Smith, who should be in a managerial job somewhere, mm-hmm. sitting as a really quiet assistant. But he was he was absolutely excellent. Like it's just those are the kind of stories that I love hearing. The idea that he was playing at Dundee and had kind of taken it as far as he could go. And was able to go abroad and win a title with someone else in a country, and it's almost not even talked about. Like I don't like you know what I mean. It's not it's not made a big deal. These things should be amazing. Like the idea. Yeah. I know I'm kind of deflecting for Barry Smith and going to something else, but the idea that Scott like Paul Lambert won the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund, and then twelve months later, uh, Scott Booth won the Intercontinental Championships with Borussia Dortmund. Like we had the Scottish World World Championship winner at club level, and it didn't feel like it was ever really spoken about at any point. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think because Booth wasn't a mainstay in the Dorman team, to be fair, um, he was like, a sub behind the, the likes of Chapwee's at in Ricken, um, for example. You know, that's probably why his doesn't get talked up as much. Um, whereas Lambert, obviously, Mark Zidane at a Champions League final, that's hard to top um, <laughs> at the same point, to be fair. I mean, if you forget that time when you talk about Lambert and, uh, um, and Scott Booth, um, Alan Johnson went out to Ren, and then Gary Smith went out to a club. I think it might have been Ren as well. I can't remember. They only lasted a year. Um, I don't think they had a, a great impact. Johnson went back to he left Hearts, got to Ren, then Sunderland. Bit again. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so Alan Johnson went out to Ren, and Gary Smith went out there as well. But they only lasted a season. Gary Smith came back to Aberdeen. And Alan Johnson went to Sunderland. But it's you know there's always going to be ones that don't work out, but the ones that do work out, no, should be highlighting. I mean, Stephen Lennon um, seems to be carving out a good career for himself in Iceland. And let's not forget, Iceland for the last few years have been to more tournaments than Scotland have. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he, Stephen Lennon's a fascinating one because he's been excellent out there. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So he's there. He's a top foreign goal scorer in that league now, which is something that should be highlighted. Like it should be highlighted here, and he was on course to break the all-time scoring record for one season. So if you calculate, I think he had like 18 goals in 16 games. So he had four games to beat a 21-goal record. So four games left. Two of them were against teams that he had scored hat tricks against earlier in the season, but they decided because of a rising cases just to call the league off because yeah. nobody could move up or down places where they were based. But he would have broke. He would have broke that record as well. But like you said. It's, you can already hear the idea that somebody's going, yeah, but he's playing in Iceland. Yeah. And a country that's producing players that are qualifying for tournaments just now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Ziggy Gordon was one of your first interviews. Just what was he like in terms of, um, you know, his journey? But he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. See, without without Ziggy Gordon, we, would have, we, would, we wouldn't have ever done a podcast. We wouldn't have been able to. So Ziggy Gordon is pally with a mate of mine, Sparky. And the minute he signed for Central Coast, I wasn't really even aware that he'd been out in Poland. The minute he signed for Central Coast, I just asked him to put in a word for me. We had no interviews yet, we had nothing. And we knew we needed one person. We'd always said that's all we need. We need one to do it, to validate what we're trying to do. And then we can go out to other professional footballers and go, we've done an interview with Ziggy Gordon. We'd like to talk to you about X. And that, that was how it worked. But Ziggy was brilliant. He's one of the best talkers 
of football that I think we've had on. Like, like he was technically sound. He knew exactly what he was talking about, knew exactly what he wanted to get out of moving to Poland, moving to Australia, and what he learned from that. He was, he was, he was excellent, and I cannot, I cannot praise him enough because without him, we wouldn't be able to get anyone else. We needed someone to go first, and it was my mate Sparky that roped him in. So because of that, we have a podcast where we've been able to interview like top Scottish internationalists. Yeah, you've done very well. I mean, one I've got, I've got to think that you must have in your hit list. It's got to be Kenny Miller now. He's out there as a coach. Wait, we're trying. We're trying. Honestly, like you said, is that approach? People sometimes ask how we got in touch with X, Y, and Z. Ask everyone. Find an agent's name. Find the club's Twitter. Find the club's media address. Find the person on Twitter. I retweeting anything. Find everyone and anyone and message everyone and anyone until someone gets back to you. But yeah, Kenny Miller, Steve. You mentioned Miller, Stephen Glass was the Atlanta United second manager and was then caretaker and still is of the first team. He would be one that I'd love to talk about because he's been out there for a while now. Um, I, try, I, try, I mean, there's, there's so many. There's so many players. There's no end. And so Paul Craig, obviously, just had a massive win against Shogun Rua at UFC 255. I'm dying to get him on to talk about Fight Island, to talk about Vegas, um, and just talk about UFC in general because he's now, he's probably now a top 10 light heavyweight athlete. Again, not really in the mainstream media, not not really talked about. We, Scotland Scotland is terrible for doing this. We are so bad for highlighting what we do well when we do well. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the problem is, is that if you think you're, if you if you promote some um, and big yourself up, you're saying, oh, you're a bit arrogant and stuff. Um, so I think that times why people are a wee bit um, on the fence when it comes to that. But you're right, we should be shouting out our mouths off. I mean, we're, um, when, we, when we do something well, um, I mean, Scotland's got a history of, you know, inventors. So, you know, um, and we you know, we've got Andy Murray, who was at one point the number one tennis player in the world. You know, we should be sharing at these successes um, and and uh, keep it going. Andy Murray would be good um, for you for his journeys <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> as well. Yeah, but yeah, good yeah. luck getting any, that. Any, any <laughs> one of the Murrays would be a joy to get on. Any one of them. Absolutely. Um, so just just before we move on to the next part of the podcast, just um, summarise what you, you see the future of um, Scots Abroad Pod. Um, Scots Abroad Podcast, I think we'll start, we'll start by interviewing actors, comedians, musicians, authors, and getting their stories. Um, there's a guy, there's a guy that's um, written a book basically based on his life going from Euro 96 to Ibiza for like a decade. That I think is like a really interesting book. Um, so I want to get him on. I know I want to get Barry James on from Cassidy to talk about kind of being one of the biggest bands in the UK, moving out to Vegas, and what kind of happened from there because Cassidy kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. I'd love to get. I, I want to get. Ray, I know Ray Bradshaw well. I want to get Ray on to talk about just being a touring comic and what gigging in like different countries is like, and just following on from there. Like I said, it started with Ziggy Gordon and football. And I've had all these footballers now, so I don't know what will really happen. I'm not going to try and limit anything we do, but I would love to interview all these people yeah, that have well, got interesting stories from outside the UK. Yeah, definitely. And I hope it works out well for you in that regard, John. So moving on to your other main love um, in, in terms of football, Rangers Football Club. Um, where did it all start for you? So, I mean, I've got a brother who's seven years older than me and all my family are Rangers fans, so it kind of falls suit that you don't really have a choice. Like you don't you don't get to sit down and make those choices. You're you're told that you're a Rangers fan as a result of 
your grandpa, your uncle, your older brother, because you just don't, don't you, just, you just don't have an option. So um, I started going to Rangers games when I was about seven or eight, I think maybe eight years old. First game was Celtic at Ibrox. It was a game where um, Celtic fans were banned. Oh, so, yeah, the 94 game. <laughs> yeah, so my, my first memories was John Collins belting a free kick into the top corner of Collins Scott's net. And me just being fascinated that, like, as an eight-year-old to see that somebody could actually do that with a football. And I that was when I first wanted football boots. Because I remember he was wearing the the Predies that David Beckham then made a lot more famous like a year later. And I was like, I need those boots because that's what I just assumed it was the boots that done that. And um, so that was my first, that was the first game I ever went to. And then the next game was the Scottish Cup final that year that um, Ali Maxwell ruined my day. An absolute shambles. The, uh, so the double table. <laughs> honestly, man, honestly, I'll never forget that. that I'll never forget that goal. Um, that was my first cup final. And then thereafter, I kind of went intermittently. Um, it was like maybe get tickets for Champions League games or just the odd league game. I used to always go to the league game. It was pretty much securing the title. That was pretty much what I got given a ticket for by my uncle. And then when I was about 13, 14, I started going every week with my brother. Excellent. That must have been good time. So you obviously grew up during the nine in a row years. Um, what did nine in a row mean to you at that point? Uh, see, to be honest, it didn't. It didn't click. It was similar to see, to be honest, similar to Scotland at the time. Like see, Rangers winning titles, Scotland being at Euro '96, Scotland being at France '98. It all just seemed like that was what happened all the time. Mm-hmm. Rangers would always win the title. Scotland would always be at a major tournament, and that would be what football was to me. But I forget that I had all these like close pals that were on the other side that were living through what I've been living through for the last nine years now. <laughs> and that you're just watching your mate just like sail by, not really thinking anything of it. I just assumed that Rangers would always be winning titles and that would be the case forever. And there'd never be a spell of more than like a season where Celtic disrupted that. Yeah, I suppose when when you were um, in that era of the nineties, that's also when. I mean, I'm five years older than you. You were born eighty six, weren't you? Eighty six, yeah. Ah, yes, I'm five years older than you. Um, so uh, you're right. At that point, you no, know, being teen, being kids and teenagers, um, these things would have been the norm. I mean, when Scotland qualified for for France ninety eight, we just took um, took it in our stride, even um, at seventeen. And it's only now that you know, at the age of thirty nine, you realise. That, that when we did it last week, that meant a, or, or two weeks ago nearly, that meant a lot more than when we beat Latvia to qualify for France tonight because we were expecting that in the eight, whereas this time it was different. So from your point of view, if Rangers were to win the title this year, it would probably mean a lot more to you now than what nine or over they meant. You mean when? When? Well, it's not done yet. <laughs> no, no, no. When Rangers win the title this year, yeah, it'll be the same. It'll be the same unexplained outpouring of emotion that I had last Thursday because I cannot explain what that felt like. It was so bizarre and it will be that times 100 because I just, it just didn't seem that this would ever happen. Like the Rangers would go in and I, I cannot believe that this is happening. That, I'm, that I've been having, not even that, it's been, the, it's been the dominance I've had to watch from Celtic winning not just the titles but everything in their wake has been really, really frustrating. So, yeah, this will be like this will this will be a. I mean, I'll need to take like two two weeks off work, I think, to deal with the the title celebrations. There's no other way I'm going to be able to cope. 
and then you'll need more time off for your 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't think you're working with well, your self-contracting, but <laughs> just as well, you're your own boss. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of um, some of your memories then, um, who was your, I know we're going to come on to your best living later, but who was your um, first kind of favourite Rangers players when you were growing up? Um, it was Alan McCoyst. Alan McCoyst. I remember I'd have been, what, six or no, seven or eight when Alan McCoyst broke his leg. So one of the first games I remember was the, the Habs League Cup final, watching on TV um, when he came on. And I mean, I, I, mean I, I don't think I've watched this back, but I mean, I'm right in saying he literally just came on at that throw-in. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. He just came on at the throw-in and scored instantly after being out for like a year. I'm sure he'd been in out of the squad, but he just got back fit and he scored the winner against Hibs. And I just remember that, like, just being obsessed with this guy. And then like, that was really when I was watching football. I maybe didn't understand football as much because realistically, Alan McCoy was just was just an amazing goal scorer, right? Just a ridiculous goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, it was probably more Brian Loudrup that really was the guy that stood out as being, oh my god, I, I, like. I can't, I, can't, I can't believe, and I don't know if we ever will. I can't believe we've seen players like him play. In the Scottish League, like the idea that him and Larson were kicking about and it just was taken kind of for granted is, is mental now to think that somebody was there that dominated. Brian Loud, I watch his DVD back all the time. He's he's just ridiculous. Like, I, I can't understand. Can I understand why he was playing like no disrespect to, to Rangers and Scottish football, but he's been playing at a higher level than, than us. I know he was before that, to be fair. I know he was playing in Syria, but yeah, McCoyson loud up. Without a doubt. Yeah, Brian Lodrick was a um, sensational player. I, I don't mind admitting that, being an Aberdeen fan. Um, Larson, the same, even though he scored so many goals against us. Um, two great players to have in Scottish football. Not only were they great players, but they were great ambassadors as well. They were never really in, in any trouble. They just let their football do the talking. And, you know, you just got to appreciate players like that because they don't come in Scottish football very often. Aye. And then I think probably from there, you're getting into Barry Fergus Nira. He was probably it for a long time, long time. Even when he left in between, even when he left to go to Blackburn, it was still like, can he not just come back? And then he did. And then wasn't he really the same player when he came back? But probably still, he probably the standout of my like going to football with my pals regularly and actually really, really going and enjoying trips to football. It'd been Barry Ferguson for a long time. Yeah, I was speaking to Ian King last week. Um, don't know if you heard that one, but um, he was he wrote Ferguson's book and he said that Ferguson made the wrong move. Um, going to Blackburn, and I totally agree. I think Barry Ferguson, if he'd waited a wee bit longer, could have got a, a much better move. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, but he went. I, I mean, he went away after when Rangers won the league title um, on the last day of the season against uh, Dunfermline, part of the treble, and then comes back. And you win another last day of the season um, title. Which of those ones did you? Did you um, I think I know what's coming, but which one of those titles did you appreciate more? I, I don't know because I ain't coming the wrong. I ain't coming the wrong side of this argument. For me, it's the the first one. Fair enough. See the see the idea that we had to outdo someone and do it all ourselves. I, I enjoyed that way more. I enjoyed being at that game with the nerves of knowing that Celtic were two 0 up and we we had to score more. We were we were having to score. We knew we needed a goal going into the last five minutes. I preferred that much more than having to sit. Because realistically, in that Rangers-Hibs game, I was watching the Celtic game with the Rangers game in the radio at the time. Because Rangers, from like the 60th minute, I remember the Rangers-Hibs team. Because Hibs, if Hibs only lost by a goal, yeah. they got the UEFA Cup. 
Yeah, because so we needed a few goals that day against Hearts. <laughs> yeah, so nobody needed to attack. So I'm watching the Celtic Motherwell game, a game which Celtic should have been 2 3 0 up in at the time. I hated that. I, I just remember being at the Rangers and Ferman game, loving the fact that we were in charge. We were in charge of ourselves. And I think the, I think obviously the twist of the Celtic Motherwell game is good, but I always prefer the fact that we didn't have to have anyone else help us. We just had to go out and absolutely batter. At the time, a very good Dunfermline side. They were. We had to, we had to batter that Dunfermline side, who had Brewster, Crawford, Nicholson, a really, really good team. And we did, and it was, it was although they equalised, it was 6-1, going on 7-8-9-10. That second half was unbelievable. It was so bloody good. Um, but yeah, because I mean, the thing, the thing, it swings around about, so I love both of them, but I didn't like the other one. We needed so much from so many people in that other season after we lost 2-1 to Celtic at Ibrox. And I think it was, ironically, I think it was, was it Scott Brown? Scott Brown, I think, that battered them at Parkhead. Yes. Yeah, get was. us even a sniff back in it, yeah. Without that and Motherwell, we would have been, Celtic should have wrapped that title up. But the, the season we beat Dunfermline, we were we were the best team in that league. We were unbelievable that season. That was such a good season. I mean, it came down to very, very fine margins. It was one goal in the end between two good sides. I mean, that was a Celtic side that went to Seville. So, yeah. you know, you, you weren't exactly up against a poor Celtic side at that point. That was a very good Celtic team that were in the UEFA Cup final and came back a few days later from that heartbreak of losing to Porto to then go and batter Coman up 4-0. And that was, you talk about Rangers being 6 going on 7-8 or whatever. Celtics was pretty much the same. Yeah. And, you know, it, it could well have been that, I think if Alan Thompson hadn't missed a final that day, Celtic could well have been the one that went on, but you never know. I mean, there's no taking away, and I get, I, I totally get why that would be your your preference out of the two. Although some would say helicopter Sunday sweeter because of the way it turned um, in Rangers' favour unexpectedly in that helicopter Sunday. Yeah, I think it's more the quality of that Rangers. If if I think back to that Dunfermline season, Rangers were phenomenal. The quality in that team was brilliant. The other one, Rangers coming back and winning that title, it was like shoestring budget. If we hadn't the same Ferguson back, we wouldn't have done it. Rickson was pretty much carrying that team mm-hmm. that I'm season in about. midfield. Aye, Rickson was absolutely carrying that team. I think, I think him and Bob Malcolm played in centre mid for most of that season, or Alex Ray, until we signed Ferguson back. That team were shit. Like They were a really poor Rangers team to watch, but job was done. But it was done via other people as well. Yeah, and then a few years that like we mentioned that Celtic in the UEFA Cup final, you yourself got to go to UEFA Cup final in 2008. Um, I know what happened, obviously, afterwards, but the initial, what was that experience like being able to go see your own club in a European final? That was amazing. That was amazing. I remember I remember the minute that penalty kick went in against Fiorentina, basically texting my uncle, just being like, you need to get me a ticket. Like, whatever you do, we need tickets for the final. Um, we were lucky enough to get tickets for the final, I don't remember any of that game at all. And I've never, ever, ever, ever watched any of it back. Like, not a... I've, I've not even seen the goals back. I just know that Broadfoot was definitely fault for one of them. And I think it was maybe Christian Daly for another. I've never watched it back to confirm that. I just remember feeling... I remember leaving... I remember the build-up to the game was unbelievable. Like, we were lucky enough to get to the game. So we never seen any of the Manchester part kind of turn the other way. Because yeah. we were already at the stadium by that point. I was lucky. Aye, the build-up was unbelievable. Um, the game was just not memorable at all. From them, it, it felt it felt like to be fair, it felt like it always did on that run. We were just hanging on and hoping, like we shouldn't, we should, we really should never get past Fiorentina. Carlos Quayler and David Weir were just a wall over two games. Like it was un, like 
I'm pretty sure I don't even know who the ITV commentator was, but I'm pretty Peter sure Drury. was it Peter Drury, and yeah. I'm sure there was a block by Quella like an extra time, and he called him a wall, and that, that was what he was. everything just seemed to happen that night, and Rangers went through in penalties, but yeah, oh, unbelievable. But it's just it almost doesn't mean as much when you don't go and win. Yeah, I know. Um, but I mean, I, Peter Drury's commentary, still remember saying them. Um, Hold on, Manchester Rangers are coming. Um, Brace yourself. That was it. Aye. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, I think the other key moment in that run was Alan McGregor's wonder save from. Um, I can't remember what Werder Bremen player it was. We uh, did a, a podcast. Yeah, it might have been him. I know he scored that night, but I remember we we did a podcast um, reviewing the 2007-2008 season because we called that the season of hope for Scottish football. It turned into a bit of a dead rubbers thing. Turned out to be um, a false dawn. Um, and we called that that season that the Werder Bremen two legs was a tale of two keepers. The first leg, their keeper makes two howlers, and the second leg, McGregor makes an unbelievable save, probably one of the best saves you've ever seen for a Scottish goalkeeper. Oh, it was ridiculous. I, I, honestly, it was, was so, so good. Um, but that's like, I always remember that, getting to that final, my brother and I always laugh, getting to that final and beating Manchester is like the thing that, I think it was Stephen Mill that said to you a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, he said it's like it's a shame that it's almost a shame that we've qualified for these Euros in the games that are at Hampton. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to go to where we always go for Scotland games. Provided we're allowed in, I do remember thinking, why does this? How did Celtic get Seville and we're having to go down the M6? You got the weather to be fair. <laughs> it was a great day. It was a great day. Everything, everything except the game was amazing. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I mean, um, it would. You'd love to have gone abroad. I mean, when you get to a European final or get to major championships, you want to go abroad. You want to sample the sun, sample different cultures. But, um, I mean, from your point of view, I'm pretty sure you probably couldn't care less if it was in Manchester. In my view, um, the fact it's been at Hamden, I really couldn't care less. It's just 20 minutes down the road for me, and hopefully I can get some tickets. So, <laughs> um, let's just uh, wait and see. So, what's, um, we'll fast forward now to um, the current Rangers team, because obviously... Um, They've got a great chance of um, winning the league this season. 11 points clear, albeit Celtic have two games in hand. Um, what's your thoughts on how the job Stephen Gerrard's doing to get the team where they are just now? It feels like it was a slow burner until now. It feels like until this season kicked off again, it was a really slow burner. Like I, I, I'm a massive pessimist on everything, on everything in life. And the fact that we hadn't won any trophies, not even a League Cup, was really bothering me because... Rangers slightly improving isn't it good enough like that that I mean like I said it's just taken for granted that we were used to winning leagues mm-hmm. but it now seems to have really changed like that the I know Benfica went down to 10 men but the performance of eight Benfica and at Parkhead just seemed that Rangers were so much so far head and shoulders above Celtic and a team like Benfica which if you compare it to like the 2008 UEFA Cup run our identity was just doing whatever we could to not concede and it feels like we're going to like Parkhead, we're going to Benfica and we're playing football on the basis that, right, we'll go and win in Liège, we'll go and win at Benfica, we'll go win at Parkhead. That's something that, since Advocate, I've not really felt in a Rangers team on big games. It's always been felt like we've maybe went into games trying to stop the opposition. Uh-huh. So I, I think this team that he's built is just, I said it before we started, the squad we've built is ridiculous. It's absolutely phenomenal. And they'll not be Rangers players for too long. Once they win this title, I think they will move on to to pastures new some of them because people like Aribo, Kent, 
Hadji are all just players that are destined for for, for great things. I think. Yeah, there's, they're definitely standout players, Morelos too. I think it's. I'm actually surprised Morelos is still there. Um, with no disrespect, I thought Rangers would have um, cashed in this year, but obviously they're keep, He's not been as good this season, but I think, I think that's a that's the sign of how good your team's now becoming because you're getting goals from all over the place. You know, like Kent's chipped in. Roughly, uh, that was his first goal in a few weeks yesterday. People are criticising Hadji's play this season, and he's not even a guaranteed starter. Um, you know. You've obviously got Ryan Jack protecting him. He's an excellent player. Tavernier, um, I mean, the Rangers penalty every week just seems to be a current <laughs> team, obviously. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got Ta- Tavernier's um, obviously born for scoring goals, setting up goals. Barisic in the our left, um, I think, in my personal opinion, is the best left back in the league. Um, I think he's been superb. But the fact you're getting goals from all over the place and you're not overriding Morelos as opposed to the previous two seasons is a, a real statement of where you are now. Um, and that you're not having to run one player. I, I think he deliberately changed the pattern of the team. I think Golden said that after the old firm is that we were building on these specific patterns of play for years. And I think what we've seen a lot of the time in Gerard's first two seasons was that Morelos was so dominant in some games as that he could just rely on Morelos to bully a centre-half and bring other players into the game. But I think the flip side of that is he recognised the fact that he's let him down so many times that you had to make sure the pattern of play would suit any player that came in, whether it was Defoe, Itten, Roof, Hadji, whoever came in to play in that front three would be fine on a specific part of a play, which is why I think you can leave Morelos out and score eight goals against a team. Mm-hmm. You can have Morelos play yesterday and score four goals without him hitting the target. Mm-hmm. It is something that I think he's manufactured because I know, one, he probably couldn't trust him to be available for all the games that he needed him, and two, he probably knows that there's life that's going to have to exist after him when he does get sold. Yeah, because the thing is, after um, Morelos' red card in the um, the Old Firm game um, before the winter break last season, um, he obviously missed a couple and then came back and he wasn't um, really very good. And Rangers form, as a result, knows that. I mean, you obviously would be pleased that there's no um, mid-season trips to Dubai this season because obviously there's no time. <laughs> so, and your European performances last... I think this is where Gerard really stood out the, uh, the first two seasons. Probably why he got more leeway. Rangers in Europe, the first two seasons, were excellent. And this yeah. season, it's continuing. 100%. For the budget alone, um, like I said, he's been backed massively. I don't. You never really know the truth as to what these... I mean, as a Rangers fan, you're very pessimistic about finances. So you're always kind of watching any headline that you see that's remotely inferring a Rangers accountant. So all of these European runs that we've had under Gerard have literally ticked the box on so many players that he's been able to bring in, even like the likes of Davis, Defoe and McGregor on free transfers, who are obviously on bigger wages. It's been covered by the fact that he has been so good in Europe. And I don't think it's really a surprise. I think Gerard's playing career was massive success in Europe under managers who had massive success in Europe. Mm-hmm. So it's no shock that he's brought that kind of element into the club, whereby it is top European performances, it is built to play well in Europe, and he just needs to get this hoodoo of a league title in his career out the way but like you said hopefully the fact there's no break and it's just consistently powered through there shouldn't be a dip even the dips that we've had like I don't even think they played massively well yesterday and still I mean I know it helps when you get a penalty and three deflections but I don't think they played well and we still beat one of our closest rivals 3-0 Aberdeen are only four points four points off Celtic Yeah. so everyone seems to have like dismissed the fact that Aberdeen are still close by 
So that was like a huge, huge result for us. Yeah, it's frustrating from an Aberdeen fan that the, the best that we're likely going to be um, is for third place and if we're lucky in the cup competitions, but um, doesn't just, that's just the reality that um, the clubs out with Celtic Rangers don't have the same resources and finances to compete um, you know, at the top end as much as we'd love it and as much as Scottish football um, would benefit from other teams challenging because um, you know, it would enhance the reputation. I think Stephen McGowan on another podcast I listened to said um, it needs Scottish football needs one of the others to come forward and match Celtic Rangers and beat them, but it's unlikely to happen anytime soon. I might as well be realistic. I think, see, the, the Hibs team I referenced before, there's probably mm-hmm. been two teams. No disrespect to Aberdeen. I think Aberdeen's best forms came without Rangers being there. So Aberdeen were the second team, and even for the first couple of years were the second team of Rangers being back. I think the Hibs team under Mowbray and the yeah. Dundee United team under Jackie McNamara. If those two teams had not sold their players, one of them could have won the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so confident that that Hibs team with Thompson, Brown, Zemana, Sproul, Reardon, O'Connor, Whitaker, Murray, Caldwell, like that's like that's a ridiculous team. That is a ridiculous team that if they'd kept everyone fit and everyone at that club and Tony Mowbray at that club, Hibs would have won a league because Rangers were really struggling at that point between McLeish, Leguen, Smith came back in and changed everything. And I don't think, I think Gordon Strachan type football, Tony Mowbray would have seen to, would have taken it to the cleaners if he had to. Um, and then the Dundee United side, before they, if they hadn't sold Mackay Stevens and Armstrong, I think they would have really given Celtic a run for their money that season. I think they could have been on and won that league. Because that was what Gold, Mackay Stevens, Armstrong, Peyton, Rankin, Chef J, Johnny Russell. There's so many good players in that. John Suter would have been, Andy Robertson would have been in that. I mean, I think, listen to that team. Like, one of those teams would have ran them close, but it's the lack of money in Scottish football. Even if you create a generation of youngsters, Rangers, Celtic are the championship in England, they're going to steal them. Yeah, yeah, that's just interesting. That's just the reality. Um, but and with regards to Rangers this season, um, you've probably hinted already. Do you think the title's coming back? Um, your first title in um, since 2011. Something drastic would have to happen. I, I just I don't I don't see it just now. Um, I, I would be more the, the thing the thing that kind of showed me me is that Celtic game yesterday. See the minute that went to each, I was just waiting for free two to flash up. I was waiting for that to flash up on my flash score that Celtic had went and won 3-2 because that's what they normally do. Yeah. If I think when Lennon first came back in, they had to when Rogers left, they had to go to Hearts and they were one each in the 93rd minute and they scored. And I was like, this is like a new football all over again. This is like Martin O'Neill. Last minute goals, just getting three points, getting the job done. And it's even St. Johnston away earlier in the season. It was, it looks like it's turning a wee bit, but Five points. I know it's eleven points just now, but five points if they win their games in hand is nothing in an old firm because there's three old firms still to go. Rangers still have to go a full round of fixtures away to the teams that are in and around us. We're lucky that we've went to Aberdeen and Kilmarnock and won. We're really lucky that we've already done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it'll certainly be it'll be interesting to see how the season develops because Rangers, as you say, have still hit the sticky patch. Celtic have always had a couple, so and of course. 
only been the safe pictures have um, a big part to play in the season, so yeah. it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. So, um, yeah, John, we're coming close to the end of the um, podcast. We'll just end with a few, around the quick five questions. So you've also listened, so you know what's um, coming. Um, what's your favourite tipple? Oh, an old fashioned. Not not precious about which whiskey or a bourbon I use in it, but an old fashioned. Okay. Um, what's your favourite part of the football? Going before it. This is what I wish that Scottish football you'd be allowed to drink at a game. It's going to the pub before it with my pals that I maybe don't see as much now that we got older because we've got kids and stuff. Right. It's going for a couple of drinks before the game and going to the game. So yeah, the, the preamble. Prefer that than the pies at the football then. Yeah. Have you had for the Ibrox, mate? <laughs> no. I think I think I'd won at the Commonwealth Games in twenty fourteen. It wasn't great. Um, <laughs> and that, that would have been different. Um right, so what's your death row meal? Mate, just just be steak steak and steak and mash with a red wine. Yeah. Simple choice is always the best. Right. Yeah. Um what's your favourite old firm game? Favourite old farm game would be my first Parkhead one. Um, Rangers won one nil. That was the Van Vossen miss. Ah yes. First time I did, first time I ever went to Parkhead, and I've never. We were. It was our end. What no? It was our end. It was your I end where Van Vossen missed, and the other yeah, end Because it, it was Van Vo- It was um, Van Vossen miles away from us. Went over the bar. Aye, honestly, it was the most packed game I'd ever seen in my life. I'd never. I couldn't believe Van Vossen missed. I couldn't understand it. He'd missed, and then Celtic got a penalty with two minutes to go, and Andy Gorham done what he seemed to always do against Celtic. Because Gascoigne had missed a penalty in the same game. Oh, that, that's a, an awful penalty. That's uh-huh. such a bad penalty. Yeah, and when when um, Celtic got this, he just had the feeling that Gorham was going to save it because he just did that time and time again at that era. Um, Andy Gorham, tremendous goalkeeper. Uh, Favourite European game? Favorite, oh, Rangers 4, PSV 1. Oh, Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. That was like a quality PSV side with Van Nistelrooy up front and mm-hmm. Rangers. I actually remember. I actually remember the standout of that game. I remember Derek McInnes being absolutely phenomenal in centre midfield that game. We were short of centre mids, and Derek McInnes played that game. Absolutely bossed it. Was phenomenal. Him and Michael Moles were brilliant that game. Yeah, Michael Moles. I think he got two goals that game. Um, so we're talking about moving Scots abroad. If you had the chance to move abroad, where would you go to and why? Where would I go to Germany? Germany. I'm doing my coaching badges and Germany would be my number one destination, Berlin specifically. Um, I just obsessed with football and the culture of German people in Berlin especially. Uh, it's my favourite city in the world and that would be number one. If I could get a coaching job at uh, Union or Hertha Berlin, I'd be there tomorrow and I'd never come back. Excellent. Good luck with um, your coaching badges. What would, what would three most prized possessions would you take out with you? Oh, Jesus. Right, well, I, see, the normal old sentimental one would be your photos, but people would laugh if you said your phone now, but that is your photos. Aye. <laughs> the phone's got to go. The wallet's got to go. Nah. Uh, phone. Oh God, what would I take? I've got a box of all my football tickets, my phone, all my gigging football tickets. Um, is it in there? Free would be a tough one. I don't know. I'm going to have to reserve the third one. I've no idea. But yeah, I've got a box of all my old gigging football tickets that I would be crushed if I lost all them. So yeah. I'd be taking that out. That'd be, that'd be my number one, I think, actually. Yeah, fair it is. Um, 
year 2020 coming up. Um, there's going to be lots of people suggesting um, who should um, write the song for it. What artists would you pick to write a year 2020 song for Scotland? See, this is like, do we have to do a song for the Euros? I was having this argument. Is Some... it not only a song for the World Cup? The World Cup was the, the big one, but a couple, well, if you think about it, Three Lines was a Euro 96 song originally. Well, I thought that was because it was because they were actually hosting. I thought that was because it was actually coming home. I thought that was like the tournament song. Almost. The tournament song was actually Simply Red. We're in this together. So it was. I'm, I'm the geek uh-huh. that knows this. Um, but Scotland, I think they had Purple Heather that year for your next right, okay. I don't know. What, I don't think it's, it's not as big as the World Cup, obviously, but I think a, a tune will come in, especially given the fact this is the first one Scotland have had in 23 years, and we need to consign Don't Come Home Too Soon to that bin. <laughs> Um, be pal- it has to be Paul Natini. It has to be Paul Natini. Good shout. Yeah. That's a good shout. Um, although it'll probably end up being a remake of um, Vicana. Um, <laughs> the way it's going. Um, right. Best 11 for Rangers to end. Oh, mate, this is, this, this is killing me. I said to you, I knew this question was coming. This this is the hardest. In my lifetime, it's so hard. I've, I've added and removed players about four times to try and get the right. Your the goalkeeper's right. hard enough, you know. Yeah, you've got Gorham, Kloss, and uh, McGregor. <laughs> Gorham, Kloss, McGregor is ridiculous. Um, I've went with Gorham because just because like, nine in a row, I think it became so accepted. And out of all the goalies, he was the one that he was kind of the last. He stopped so many games that should have went the other way. And um, the Van Hoydonk save, not the penalty, but the volley, is like mm-hmm. yeah. What one of my first memories of football is that save. Thinking like I just don't get it. I don't get how somebody so small. Can he be beaten so often? Um, so Gorham, Gorham is my goalie. He had to make it in. Kloss was unlucky. Kloss was probably part of the best Rangers team that I've seen in my lifetime. I remember that Rangers team under Avocat being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But Gorham's in. Uh, right back's easy. Tavernier. Tavernier, right back. That's that's. The, I think that's the easiest position out of everything that I've selected. Tavernier, right back, was no debate. Rangers have... I, I, I couldn't really... Who have you got? Nine in a row, really. Stephen Wright, Alec Cleland are probably the two... Stood out. Gary Stevens. Um, maybe. You, you might have been a bit young. Too, yeah, too young Gary for Gary Stevens. Stevens, yeah. Um, so yeah, Tavernier's in. Centre-halves are Goff and Weir. But again, there's so many people. It, there's a lot of elements of Rangers whereby people have been there too short a time. So I think if Quella had been there longer, Quella would have become a legend, but he left after the season. Yeah. So Richard Goff, David Weir. And then the left-back is the hardest position because there's so many elements. I'm going to go with Sasa Papic at left back um, just because that, that team we won three titles in a row, got to a European Cup before all that, uh, UEFA Cup final before all that started and he was kind of the only really, he's kind of similar to Tavernier's situation where he's the only overthrow for a manager that didn't really succeed in Warburton with Tavernier, Le Guin with Papic. It was Le Guin that brought Papic in and he was the one that kind of stayed out of that whole group and became an absolute legend at the club. But, I mean, Lee, ignoring Lee Wallace is almost criminal, but... Yeah, Papic, Papic was very was, underrated. Very underrated. Yeah, Papic was doing it at the top level and only Wallace stayed. And yeah. Lee Wallace would be number one for commitment on the whole thing, but I'm picking a team that I, I would say was the best and most enjoyable. And Sasa Papic at left back was our most enjoyable time in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. We're free in midfield. Gaza, Ferguson, and Alberts as my free centre mids. A um, couple of similar people like Gattuso at Rangers wasn't great, but we're not any better things. 
Arteta was only at Rangers for a year and a half. Van Bronckhurst was two seasons, but was injured for most of the second one. So there's players who are quality standout players, but maybe didn't do enough at Rangers or weren't there long enough to stand out. I know, having said that, Gaza was only there for like two years, but he was there for probably two of the most remarkable years yeah. in the club's history. And then a free up front, on the right, Brian Loudrup. On the left, Ronald De Boer, through the middle, Alan McCoist. And there's just so many people that miss out through that as well. Like I said, like of that Rangers team that I enjoyed the most advocate, Neil McCann was one of the best players in Europe at left wing for two and a half seasons. Um, but there's no way I couldn't have Ronald De Boer in that team. I actually had Moles in at one point as well. But that's just... Moles is probably the most what if or what could have been yeah, rather than definitely. maybe being the best in the team. But my God, I mean, I've not even mentioned who, who we're missing there. Newman, McCann, Moles. R- Rickson's unfortunate in the sense that Rickson's yeah. best days at Rangers were in centre mid. And he's I agree. any of those three. Yeah, I, I agree that um, Rickson, um, no, I, I wrote an obituary about him. And I think he had his best season 2004-2005 when he was in mid-centre midfield. He was given the captain's arm and he had responsibility. He was off the drink, etc. He calmed down. He was a Massive, he was outstanding that season. Um, and then he gets shunted back to right back, can't say back off him, and he went off the rails again, which is a Aye. bit sad. And then, you, who else? I missed Davis is missing mm-hmm. for that as well. Yeah, Yelovich, another example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, it's so it's so hard, but yeah, that's I'm locking that in. I can't, I can't keep going back and forth. No, that's fine. And that, this will obviously go out um, with that team, so you're not changing your mind unless we do another one with you in a year's time. Um, but listen, thanks very much for your time, John, um, and good luck with the rest of your Scots Word podcast, and uh, hope you get some really listeners, and that will certainly get everyone, um, more listeners to you. Thanks for having us, mate. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. No worries. Take care, John. All the best. 